What's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical, where we talk all things training, nutrition, and mindset optimization, while making sure to not lose sight of the practical and applicable side of things. I'm your host, Jordan Lips, and I just wanted to say thank you for taking time out of your day to tune in. I appreciate you. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome back. Today, we're talking about 10 tips for a successful gain phase. And the truth is, the longer I coach, the more passionate I become about this topic. Because while fat loss, yeah, it can it can be empowering, it can be very health-promoting, it can be what you want. The truth is that we're way more comfortable in restriction. And a lot of the clients that I work with come to me way more comfortable with a calorie deficit than they are with a calorie surplus. They're way more comfortable in restriction than they are in abundance. And taking somebody through a gaining phase, taking somebody who's always thought that being smaller is better, that thinner is better, that being lighter is better, that seeing a lower number on the scale is better, taking that person through a gaining phase where they refocus on you know, building muscle and getting stronger and pushing through some of those mental barriers of smaller is better is one of the most empowering, rewarding things I can do as a coach. And it's one of the best things I can give somebody as a client. And the bottom line is, if the idea of eating more gaining some weight and not immediately looking better in the short term sounds totally fine to you and doesn't make you feel even the least bit uncomfortable. You're in the minority. If all of that sounds at best counterintuitive and at worst scary as fuck, join the club. Because for most people, this is the case. Intentional weight gain can be a mindfuck. Intentional weight gain can be scary. But there's hope. You can arm yourself with tools, strategies, and structure to make it the enjoyable, empowering, strengthening, and most likely necessary part of your journey that it should be. Muscle gain phases should be fun. Muscle gain phases should be empowering. Muscle gain phases shouldn't make you feel like you're going in the wrong direction. So today we're going to go over 10 tips for a successful gain phase. Everything from how to structure it in terms of calories and weight gain and also how to you know, protect that part of your psychology that's telling you this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, you need to be lighter, you need to be lighter. So how can we deal with it from a pragmatic standpoint, but also how can we deal with it from a psychological uh, uh, aspect? So the first tip is focus on the stuff that you want to see improve. Like, no shit, Sherlock. But the truth is, this is by far the most important part when it comes to having a productive, enjoyable gain phase, or, or any phase, really. And let's use fat loss as a, as a counterexample. When you're in a fat loss phase, what are you using as a measure of, is this shit working or not? You use scale weight, you use progress photos, you use measurements, you use how your clothes are fitting, which makes perfect sense because those are the exact things that will indicate that a fat loss is working or not. You're focused on the things you want to see improve, as you should be. In that same vein, what's something that you might not want to obsess over in a fat loss phase? Maybe you lower your expectations of hitting PRs every single week and getting a fuck ton stronger. A deficit isn't the best time to use that as a marker of improvement, as a marker of, is this working? It's a fat loss phase. You're focused on fat loss. Yes, you should still be lifting hard and progressing over time. And just because you're in a deficit, that's no excuse not to train hard or try and build muscle. But it's just not the main focus, nor is it going to happen as fast as it would in a surplus. So you measure, you prioritize, and you put emotional stock in the things that you want to see improve most, right? Pictures, measurements, scale weight, clothes fitting, etc. And you put maximizing muscle and strength temporarily on the back burner 
even though, yes, you should be working out with the intent to at least maintain the muscle that you have. So what about in a surplus, in a muscle building phase? Well, we want to focus our intention and attention towards the things we want to see improve. And in a muscle building phase, that is building muscle. Ding, ding, ding. Mind blown, I know. But what's the best way for us to know that we're actually building muscle? You guessed it, a muscle biopsy. We just cut out a little bit of your muscle, look at it under a microscope and see if the cross-sectional areas, no, 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 we don't do that. Yes, that's probably the, the best way to know for sure that you're building muscle, but it's not practical. The most practical way we have to measure muscle growth over the long term is actually strength improvements within hypertrophy rep ranges. So if you're getting stronger in the 6 to 20, 6 to 30 rep range, Yes, the goal is maximizing muscle growth, not necessarily strength, but getting stronger in those rep ranges is an excellent proxy for muscle growth. If you're getting stronger in the 6 to 20 rep range week to week, month to month, you could be pretty damn sure you're getting more jacked. Could you be making you know neural adaptations that allow you to get stronger without actually being bigger? Sure, but that typically happens in the lower rep ranges in that like one to five rep range. If eight weeks ago, you did 10 reps of 135 on the bench, and now you can do it for 16, you can be pretty damn sure that you gained muscle. Short of a muscle biopsy, this is our best and most measurable measure of muscle growth over time. Plus, it is super easy to measure. So how do we measure it? Well, we track our workouts. You track the thing that you want to see improve, and we want to see your strength in that 6 to 20 rep range improve over time. So you track your weight, you track your sets, you track your reps, So you make absolutely certain that you're getting stronger over time. If you are, you can be pretty sure you're getting muscle. Something to note is that this is one of the reasons that doing the same workouts over a four to eight week period is so beneficial. It creates these opportunities for measurable progress. If you go in the gym and you do something random every single time, it's much harder to know if you're improving and thus gaining muscle. Does this mean that we don't use the scale at all, progress photos at all, measurements at all? Well, that's sort of up to you, and we'll go over that in a little bit. You can absolutely use those things, and the scale definitely has a part to play. But the point of this first tip is that they no longer carry the weight of something I'm really worried about or focused on, right? You use those tools insofar as they help you stay on track and make sure that you don't gain too much or too little weight. And again, we'll talk about that soon. Remember, your goal is building muscle. Make sure you're emotionally invested in that. Make sure you're measuring that. Make sure you're tracking that because you don't want to be in a surplus and not gaining muscle. The second tip is less is more. Gone are the days of the dreamer bulk. And for those of you that don't know, dreamer bulk is like a bro term, meaning like an unlimited amount of eating like an asshole. And if anybody asks you what you're doing, you just say, bro, it's cool. I'm bulking. No worries. Like, is it though? Like, or are you just eating like an asshole for a couple weeks, gaining a bunch of fat and then being like, bruh, I'm feeling thick. It's time to cut. And we'll go over this sort of flip-flopping later. But when it comes to your surplus, less is more. Most people only need a 5 to 15% surplus over their maintenance to maximize muscle growth. Now, maybe if you're a beginner, you're on the higher end. If you're advanced, more on the low end. But anywhere in that 5 to 15% is a really good place to start. So if your maintenance calories are 2,000, 5 to 15% is probably around 2,200 to 2,300. That would be a good place to start for muscle gain calories. Mr. Dreamer Bulk over here 
eating 3,000 calories, you know, 1,000 calories over maintenance isn't putting on any recognizable amount more muscle, any appreciable amount more, just more fat. And when you consider, well, you know, it's only 200 more calories and it takes something like 3,500 calories to gain a pound of fat, you realize you're probably not going to wake up like the Michelin man, Michelin man tomorrow. Like it's a very small amount of calories in comparison to what you're really afraid of. If you're afraid of gaining a lot of weight, trust me, you, ideally you're not eating that many more calories, right? If you're hesitant about raising your calories above maintenance, take comfort in the fact that you don't need to be gaining a lot of weight to maximize muscle growth. Those bodybuilders that you see gaining 30, 40 pounds in their off season, like that's not you. For you, less is more. Tip number three is set a target rate of gain, right? So the point of setting a target rate of gain is to assess, is that starting point of a deficit, that 5, 15%, whatever you choose to pick within that, was that the right number? So here's where the scale becomes a useful tool. So let's say you use that 5 to 15% calculation, you decided on your surplus calories. Now, how do you know if what you've chosen is too much or too little? Here's where the scale comes in. When you're in a surplus, you are 100% going to put on fat. It's impossible to only put on muscle. Let me repeat that. When you're in a surplus, you will 100% put on some fat. But by creating a proper size surplus and monitoring your weight gain over time by using the scale, you can optimize what's called the P ratio or the ratio of muscle of fat or muscle to fat that you gain with each pound. So what percentage of each pound that you gain is muscle versus fat? So how do we do that? How do we maximize? How do we optimize this P ratio? How do we gain the most percent muscle per pound gained? Well, we set a target rate of gain at about 1% of your total body weight per month, sometimes up to 2% for beginners who can just build muscle a lot faster. What this comes out to be is like 0.25% of your body weight per week. And just for reference, fat loss happens much quicker. Fat loss we talk about anywhere from losing 0.5 to 1% of your body weight per week. Here we're talking about gaining a quarter percent per week. So again, this idea that you're going to wake up, you know, big and bulky and, you know, gain all your weight back overnight, like not if you have some structure, not if you're doing it right. We're talking about a quarter percent of your body weight per week. If you weigh 160 pounds, this is like 1.6 pounds per month or 0.4 pounds per week. 0.4 pounds. 0.4. 0.4. It's not much. And it shouldn't be. Remember, you're weighing in, you should be weighing in multiple times per week and taking averages across the week so we can wash out those water fluctuations. That can come from everything from salt to more carbs to stress to just needing to take a good poo. If you're getting much faster than that, if you're getting two, three percent per month, you're getting right a one percent per week, you can be pretty sure that your P ratio isn't where you want it to be. Right? You can be pretty sure that the percentage of muscle that you're gaining per pound is lower than it could be, and you're gaining just more fat, you might want to lower calories a bit. If you're gaining much slower than that or not at all, you're likely not maximizing muscle growth because you might not be even, you might not even be in a surplus at all, which might be totally fine, but remember, consider why you're doing this in the first place. If your goal is to maximize muscle growth, you're going to want to be in a surplus, and you know, gaining slow is totally fine if, you, if, if that's what your psychology prefers, but just know that at about 1%, we can be sure that you're maximizing muscle growth within a surplus. Tip number four, set a tentative phase length and weight ceiling. Simple human psychology. 
Part of the fear of going into a gaining phase, especially if you spent a long time trying to lose weight, especially if you, you know, hey, I just lost 40 pounds and then I've maintained it for some time and I want to gain some muscle, but I'm scared about gaining it back. Like you spent a lot of your life trying to lose weight. You, you, you're, you're scared shitless to gain it back, right? Part of the fear of going into a gaining phase is this hypothetical scenario where you just blink and magically ride your surplus off into the sunset and gain all your weight back. So let's get out in front of that before your muscle gain phase starts it's probably a good idea to set a tentative phase length cutoff and or weight ceiling that if you hit, you can take a step back and consider turning things around, right? Set a tentative end date as well as ceiling weight, right? Set a tentative end date as well as ceiling weight to help psychologically remind yourself that, hey, this isn't forever. You, you're not just gonna gain all your weight back. Can you always, you know, if you happen to get to that end date or that ceiling weight, can you always pivot and keep going if things are going great? Of course, should you accept slash embrace being a little uncomfortable and not being your 100% leanest year round, especially during gaining phase? Yes. But by putting a ceiling on it, both time-wise and weight-wise, at least it at least lets you know that you won't just gain into oblivion. Psychologically, you'll be able to enjoy the process better knowing there's a tentative cap. It's very similar to the mentality of diet breaks in improving adherence and enjoyment during a cutting phase. Knowing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel makes the process more enjoyable, more sustainable, right? Putting a diet break four to six weeks out from now makes the deficit phase that you're in right now a little bit more sustainable and enjoyable because you know that you get a break or you know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So it can improve adherence and enjoyment. And it's the same with setting a cap on your weight gain phase. Like if you're saying, hey, I'm going to gain for the next 12 weeks, you know that at some point this is going to end and there's a cap and you're not just going to gain all your weight back. If you also set a, a ceiling weight, hey, if I hit 157, you know, I'm, I'm pretty uncomfortable seeing that number, maybe we'll turn things around. You won't just gain into oblivion and wake up and be bulky and have gained all your weight back because you set these parameters. Tip number five, consider your use of the scale. As we previously discussed, using the scale to monitor that average of 1% of your body weight increase per month can be a really helpful tool to make sure you're maximizing muscle growth without unnecessary fat gain. But I'll level with you. If it's becoming more trouble than it's worth and you think you do better without it and you keep your surplus on the conservative side, you track your workouts, you focus on getting stronger week to week, month to month, and you're staying cognizant of your body image, how you feel about your body as well as your biofeedback, you could theoretically take a break from the scale or just use it less frequently. The best thing I can say is if you're nervous about the scale is that you should 100% come to terms with the fact that your weight will go up if you want to build muscle. It, it seems like a this mind-blowing concept, but hey, muscle weighs something. You can't maximize muscle growth and stay the same weight. That's not how it works. Muscle has a weight, and if you want more of it, you're not going to be losing fat at an equivalent rate. right? We talk a little bit about recomp, where you gain some muscle and, and lose some fat at the same time, but that's not maximizing muscle growth. That's doing recomp. That's staying at maintenance. And while that can be a reasonable strategy for some people at certain times, you're not maximizing muscle growth, not by a long shot. And if you want to, you need to be in a surplus. And if you're doing that, then you're going to gain weight. Set your expectations. Keep your surplus relatively small. Set your weight ceiling, and you'll be better equipped for the inevitable scale increase. But if it's becoming more trouble than it's worth, consider your use of the scale and maybe take a break. Tip number six is something I think we should all use in every phase and 
maybe even outside of fitness, but it's using logic to combat emotion. The goal isn't to not have emotions when it comes to this stuff. If you're having emotional responses to the scale going up or clothes fitting different, how you look in the mirror, you're totally normal. That's totally normal. The goal is to not let your emotions dictate your actions. It's not to not have emotions. The goal is to use logic in your self-talk to remind yourself what's really important, why you're really doing this. And when those emotions creep up that tell you, don't get bigger, don't let that scale go up, you use logic and say, hey, maybe the body I want has more muscle than I do right now, and maybe I need to do this phase. Or maybe you remind yourself that psychologically you've been in a place of restriction for so long and you really need to pull the reins back because it's gonna benefit you long-term to get out of that mindset. So using logic in your self-talk to combat your emotions to make, make sure you remind yourself what's really important. Again, some of that logical self-talk might sound like, hey, building muscle takes way longer than losing fat, so I gotta pay my dues. I can always cut later. Or, hey, if the body or lifestyle I want has more muscle than I do right now, then this is the best way and I need to embrace it. Or, hey, muscle weighs something. If the scale's going up right now and I'm getting stronger in that 6 to 20 rep range, at least I'm building maximum muscle. Seeing that number go up on the scale, as long as I'm doing other things right, as long as I'm training hard and I'm eating enough protein and I'm gaining at the right rate, I can be pretty damn sure that that weight is, you know, as much muscle, as much percent muscle as it could be. So... The last part of what that self-talk might sound like is like, hey, after I've been in restriction for so long, adding more calories and potentially some body fat is actually going to make me metabolically healthier. Maybe regain my energy, my sex drive, my hunger cues, my relationship with food. And those are a lot of things when it comes to your mental health, your relationship with food and exercise that can't be fixed in, a, in restriction, right? You can't fix those things in a deficit. At some point, getting out of the deficit and then even more so going into a surplus and embracing the other side of the equation, the muscle building side of this equation is going to do wonders for your psychology. It's going to be scary as shit. And that's what the whole point of this podcast is about. But if you can do it and you can take back the reins, you can take back control over your eating, control over the scale, control over your emotions, you're going to get to a place that's metabolically healthier, better energy, better sex drive, better hunger cues, better lifting, better strength, better physical autonomy. All good things. Tip number seven, potentially embrace higher calorie foods. No, I, I don't want you to throw away your eating patterns and start over with fast food and ice cream when you start gaining. This is not what I want you to do. But after about a decade of helping clients go through gaining phases, I'd say I see way more clients struggle to consistently eat enough as opposed to eating too much and going overboard. Like we talked about before, we're way more comfortable for the most part with restriction than we are with abundance. And sometimes when it comes to eating more, we hesitate. We're so used to eating for fat loss or weight maintenance, you know, high volume foods, high fiber foods, high protein foods, filling foods, non-caloric beverages, which of course, you know, generally speaking is, an, is obviously a health promoting eating patterns, obviously something that we don't want to change. That's obviously something that's very good. We want you to have those foundational pillars when it comes to how you eat. The truth is, though, that when we have those eating patterns and they're so ingrained, you know, sometimes we actually get too full before hitting our surplus calories. And that being said, yeah, I would definitely suggest starting your gaining phase by, quote unquote, just eating more of what you normally eat, right? Absolutely, that would be my recommendation. Don't do a 180 on your eating, on your eating habits. Because remember, you're only eating a couple hundred more calories. If you were going from 2,000 calories to 4,000 calories, yes, we would have to drastically change your eating patterns. 
But we're going from 2,000 to 2,200 to 2,300. For the most part, your diet should look very similar. However, if you find yourself struggling because you're so fucking full from cups of veggies, chicken, you know, fat-free Greek yogurt, like embrace some of the foods maybe you've previously avoided, demonized, or thought, I can't have that. The truth is, you're struggling because you still think you're not allowed to have them. There's only so much chicken and Greek yogurt and vegetables and fruit and high volume and high fiber and high protein foods that you can fit down. And that's a good thing. Like part of being in a surplus is embracing some of the things that you've probably demonized, right? We're embracing a little bit of weight gain because we know it maximizes muscle growth. We're embracing eating a little bit more because again, we know that it's going to get us what we want in the long term, which is more muscle, more strength. And the truth is, you know, You've told yourself for I can't that I can't for so long, and there's been this deep-rooted stigma behind a lot of these foods that maybe you should eat them, and maybe it will have a net benefit on your psychology when you you know eventually return to maintenance, where you're no longer demonizing the foods, and you understand that all foods have a part to play in your diet. Now, not all foods should make up the majority of your diet, but when you're in a deficit. Your need for high food volume, your need for higher fiber, your need to play the satiety per calorie game goes way up. And when you're in a surplus, yes, most of your eating should look very similar, but you should probably use it as an opportunity to break out of the, I can't have that circle. That's really got you psychologically in a bad place for so long. Remember the 80, 20, the 80-20 principle always applies. 80% whole minimally processed foods, 20% whatever you want. The truth is, even if you know or agree with what I just said about the 80-20 principle, many of us still feel guilty or we're doing something wrong when we're having that 20%. Stop it. Once you have mostly whole nutritious foods, enough protein, fiber, and micronutrients, what you do with that 20% will have no negative impact on your health. Studies have showed this. Somebody who eats like a 100% quote-unquote clean diet, like only fruits, vegetables, stuff from mama earth and Somebody else who eats 80% of that stuff and 20% quote-unquote junk food, calorie per calorie, as long as calories and protein are equated, those people are equally healthy. So this might be a time to embrace those foods. And furthermore, it's not just a time to embrace it psychologically. I'm also talking about your physical goals, right? If you do have muscle building goals, if you're not just after this for the psychological uh, benefits, which are huge, but maybe you actually do have ambitious physique goals. You're like, hey, I want to put on another 10 pounds of muscle over the next year and a half. These are the foods that are, actually, or that are actually gonna help you achieve your goals. Like these are the foods that now, you know, when you were in a surplus, a deficit, we're like, hey, I, you know, I probably don't wanna eat too many of these foods because I really need to play the satiety per calorie game because I really wanna lose some fat. But these might be the same foods that allow you to actually be in a surplus. And for that reason, they become a food that you want to have based on the goals that you have. So just for context, some foods that have been helpful for clients in gain phases or those who are struggling to eat enough, you know, a, a list that I like to send out. And these are just obviously just to, things to get your, just to get the brains moving, um, get your mind wrapped around some of these foods or maybe peanut butter, right? Peanut butter for me is a food that modulates highly if I'm in a deficit. If I'm in a deficit, peanut butter is not my friend. Maybe it is for you. It's not, I'm not saying you can't have it, but for me, peanut butter goes really far down in a deficit and comes really high up in a surplus. It's a very helpful food. Pasta, bread, PB&J. I mean, PB&J is something I don't have in a deficit. It's something I have almost daily in a surplus. Pretzels, baked French fries, waffles, fattier cuts of protein. You know, maybe you're using a whole tablespoon of olive oil instead of just the spray. 
uh, ready rice, stuff like that. And if you're wondering how in the world, if you just listened to everything I just said and you said, how in the world could someone struggle with eating enough? Or you think I'm freaking crazy for recommending anybody eat any of that food? It happens more than you think. And this idea that being in a surplus is inherently not healthy and that if I'm eating waffles that all of a sudden I'm not healthy, like that's just not true. Beyond the fact that you're probably, you probably want to stick in that 80-20 principle and then that 20% should kind of just be foods that you like that allow you to adhere. Gaining weight might make you healthier. Like for those of you who have been in a place of restriction who are, you know, really active in the 140, 160 pound range and you're eating 14, 1500 calories, you know, you're eating 10 times your body weight and not losing weight. Trust me, going into a surplus and gaining some muscle, gaining some weight makes you healthier. So, you know, the idea that there's a healthy food and unhealthy food, like it's all in context. If you're in this crazy place of restriction where you're eating 10 times your body weight and in calories, right? So if you're 140 pounds, it'd be like 1400 calories and you're not losing weight, something is wrong. And these foods are going to be the foods that help you eat more, which is actually going to make you healthier. If you feel like, um, you know, if you're wondering how somebody could struggle with eating enough, like I promise it happens way more than you think. Actually, it happens more often, way more often than me having to tell clients to slow down. I'm sending out, Hey, here are foods that can help you get the calories in way more in a surplus than, Hey, maybe we want to tone it down a little bit. Tip number eight is commit. Avoid the week-to-week jitters. You know, you, I don't know if you guys have ever known somebody, but this is like every guy in the 16 to 22-year-old uh, range. It's like day one of a bulk. They're like, yeah, baby, time to gain. Let's get it. And then like day nine, they're like, ugh, the scale's up. I feel full. You know what? Time to shred. Time to shred down. That person literally will make no progress. You won't be in a surplus long enough to actually see progress. You won't be in a cut long enough to see progress. And you're just going to keep spinning your wheels. So if you're going to do a surplus phase, commit. Commit for at least six weeks, up to 16 weeks. Commit to tracking the things you want to, to improve. Commit to tracking your workouts. Commit to focusing on beating yourself week to week. Progressive overload. Whatever progression model you're using, focus on getting stronger month to month. Commit to being a little uncomfortable at times. Commit to pushing your body weight up above your leanest state because that's probably what it's going to take to build maximum muscle and over the long term, build your best body, your strongest body. This shit takes time. Not only does it take time, but it takes cumulative time, consecutive weeks and month, months. Not just physiologically, which 100% it does. Physiologically, you'll benefit from consecutive weeks and months in a surplus instead of one week surplus, one week deficit, one week surplus. That consistent anabolic stimulus, that consistent uh, state of abundance is important physiologically. But listen, if you've ever done a real a real surplus, and I'll tell you right now, my girlfriend is in a surplus right now, and she's been in a surplus for like two weeks and is still not in a surplus. Like You might take time habitually to figure out how to organize your day and the foods you're eating and your hunger signals to get yourself in a, in a surplus. It might take you, I know when I go into a surplus, it takes me like a month to really get in rhythm. Now, what if I, after that month, right, when I get things right, I'm like, all right, time to cut. Like, no, I, I, I'm just in rhythm. It's like, you don't, it's like, you know, a good, a good analogy is like you're riding in the car with a friend and they put on a song and like 15, 20 seconds in, you're like, you're jamming out to the, to the chorus and they change the song and they get this like 
this jitters of like, all right, next song. You, you haven't actually gotten into it. You know, you're just jamming out, you got your hand out the window, you were doing the little finger or whatever you do. Like, and then the, the song changed and you never really got a chance to get into it. So not only do you need physiologically consecutive weeks and months to maximize muscle growth, but habitually in terms of organizing your life to be consistent in that surplus, to get used to how strong you are, to get used to beating yourself week to week, to refocus on getting stronger, refocus on tracking your workouts. Maybe you never track your workouts, but you sure as shit should now. So sometimes it just takes some time to get your life together, to get your habits together, to shift out of that that restrictive mindset, shift out of that that eating pattern that's helped you lose weight or helped you maintain weight. Flip-flopping between gutting and, uh, Jesus, gaining and cutting will get you nowhere. Tip number nine, lift with enough volume. This one kind of seems obvious, and if you're going to a, a gain phase and you're going to gain weight and you want the best P ratio, right? You want to gain the most muscle to fat per pound. Make sure you're sending that growth stimulus. I mean, imagine being in a surplus. Imagine what it would be like being in a surplus and not working out. That's just gaining fat. That's just you sitting on the couch and in a surplus and gaining fat. You know, technically you'd probably gain some lean body mass in there even if you just sat down. But like the only thing telling your body to take those extra calories and put them towards building muscle is the training stimulus and, and, and you know, adequate protein. But you want to make sure that you're sending your body the signal of, hey, take these extra calories and put them towards building muscle. If you just sit on the on the couch all day and you don't actually send that stimulus, your body's just going to store them as fat. And yes, no matter what, you're going to gain some fat. So you have to be sending an adequate stimulus. No, not training once or twice a week, not training for 20 minutes, not doing Zumba. I have nothing against Zumba, by the way, but you know, being in a surplus and doing Zumba is not maximizing muscle growth. You're not maximizing the, the anabolic nature of that surplus towards building muscle by doing Zumba. We want to be lifting with enough volume and intensity to make sure that your body knows, take these extra calories, put them towards building muscle. I need to be stronger. So what does that look like? What does enough volume look like? Well, generally speaking, we're talking about between eight and 20 sets per muscle group per week, which usually works out to like three to five days of balanced weight training. We want to make sure that you're taking your sets within a few reps from failure. That's going to be what sends the signal to put those calories to work where you want them, your muscles. And the last tip, tip number 10, tip number 10 is keep getting your steps for a number of reasons. You'll be better able to understand the process if you only manipulate one variable at a time. If your steps are adequate and sustainable, when you're headed into a surplus, maybe in that six to 12,000 range, you feel good there and it's not inhibiting your life, it, it works well with your lifestyle, get into a surplus with your nutrition. Don't all of a sudden stop getting steps because you're in a muscle gain phase. You're like, uh, uh, I'll take the elevator. I'm in a gain phase. I keep my knee down. Like, which is the truth. Like sometimes we have an elevator in our gym and the stairs are right next to the elevator. I'm in a gain phase. I'm standing there. I'm like, you always take the stairs. Why are you considering taking the elevator now? Like, Manipulate one variable. Don't drastically change the amount you're moving because you're in a surplus. Now, you know, is it a huge deal if you decide to take the elevator and you keep your knee down, you get a couple less walks? Like probably not. But like when you start gaining too much weight, you're not really sure what's going on. Should I increase my steps? Should I decrease my calories? Like just be a scientist. Just manipulate one variable at a time so you know what's going on. And if you keep getting the same amount of steps and you're not gaining enough weight, you can increase calories. If you're gaining too much weight, you can decrease calories. 
If you're manipulating both variables at the same time, it's just going to be a little bit more convoluted, a little bit more complex. Besides, getting steps is more is about more than just burning calories, right? I mean, these are getting steps and getting out and getting walking, getting six to 12,000 steps. Like it's good for overall health and it actually assists in the recovery process between exercise sessions. If you go into a high volume phase in a surplus and all of a sudden you're like, fuck it, 2,000 steps per day, like you won't be recovering optimally. It's actually going to be a negative. Could you argue that if you're getting so many steps that it's making it really hard to get into a surplus and you could potentially benefit from lowering them? Like if you're getting 15, 16, 17,000 steps and in order to gain, to get into a surplus, you just have to eat so much fucking food because you're burning so many calories through movement that you might want to take that down. Yes, it's possible, but don't make that your knee jerk reaction. Just like in a fat loss phase, adjusting your nutrition will almost always be the more practical lever to pull on. You're in a muscle gain phase, not a couch potato phase. My normal recommendation is to keep your steps where they are and only modulate one variable so you know for sure how that variable is affecting your goals. Again, intentional weight gain can be a mindfuck. But depending on your goals, it's likely necessary. From a physiological standpoint, you might need to gain more muscle to get the physique or the level of strength or the look or whatever that you're after. Maintenance won't cut it forever. Psychologically speaking, you can really break down some barriers, some 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 you know uh, uh, innate uh, sense of restriction that you've been in for the last one to twenty years. There's huge psychological benefits to doing a muscle gain phase and facing that weight gain. There's also huge physiological benefits, but it can be a mindfuck and it can be scary. So arm yourself with the tools, the mindset, the strategies, and the structure to make it the enjoyable and and empowering part of your journey that it should be. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope those tips helped you, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. I'm always here if you need me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you enjoyed it, if you found value, do me a favor and take a screenshot of your phone and post it to your social media. If you do, tag me so I can say thanks. If you ever want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at Jordan Lips Fitness on Instagram, or you can email me, jordanlips at jordanlipsfitness.com, or check out the website, jordanlipsfitness.com. I'd love to chat. Have a great day.